Welcome to episode 14 of the Alan Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand current events through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Good morning Helen. Good morning. How are you doing this week? I'm okay thank you. Good yep. Summer holidays. Excellent. Yes, it is, isn't it? It's summer holidays. That's really good. Really looking forward to having um, some time off. And it's it's nice not having to get up super early for school, I guess, isn't it? Just for podcasts instead. Just for podcasts instead. I know. Yeah, who would do that, eh? Who would do that? Um, (laughs) Right, so... This week, um, we are going to um, have a look at the BBC Two documentary that was shown last Wednesday, um, and it's called Unvaccinated, and you might have heard of it, you might have even seen it, but um, if you've neither heard it or seen it, uh, well, have a listen to what we've got to say about it, and, and, then, and then check out the, po- the um, podcast, check out the programme. <laughs> for yourself but just to give you a quick overview of what we're talking about um, the BBC said this about the program Professor Hannah Fry meets seven unvaccinated people to investigate why around four million adults remain unvaccinated against COVID-19 and to find out if any of them will change their mind so, Helen, obviously you've seen it as well. Initial thoughts, other uh, outside of obviously not giving anything away, what we're going to talk about. But. <laughs> uh, initial thoughts. Um, well, I'm not keen on these kind of Big Brother and these reality TV things, so I wasn't drawn to it uh, naturally. Um, but I did think when I heard about it, what? I wonder why didn't they have seven vaccinated people as well? Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. That would that would have been that would have been um, some balance. Some balance would have been made it a more interesting program. I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Let's do just a very brief overview of um, Professor Hannah Fry. She's a, ma- a mathematician, and um, she she also appeared interestingly on the 2018 BBC program uh, Contagion, and this was about basically. The, the, the idea of the program was that, and bearing in mind this is 2018, the idea of the program was the government, the government rates um, the global outbreak of a deadly flu virus as a major threat to the UK. It could happen any time. To predict the impact of the next pandemic more accurately than ever before, new data is needed and lots of it. So Dr. Hannah Fry is on the case. She sets out to recruit the nation to download the BBC Pandemic app in a groundbreaking experiment to help plan for when the next deadly virus comes to the UK. How quickly will it spread? How could it how many could it kill? What can we do about it? The BBC4 Pandemic Experiment will find out. Professor Hannah Fry masterminds the experiment and adopts the role of patient zero by walking the streets of Hazelmere in Surrey to launch the outbreak. Now, this is look, this is this is nothing more than really just interesting, I suppose. Um, but that was back that was all back in, in 2018. Little did we know, eh? And uh, it sounds it sounds bizarrely familiar, doesn't it, Helen? And um, perhaps the most ironic thing of all is that 
In February 2020, the UK's so-called patient zero was, guess where? Hazelmere, the same town in which Hannah Fry played the fictional patient zero in the 2018 um, programme Contagion. Yeah, so there we go. What, what about what about the program unvaccinated, Helen? What about Hannah Fry in that one? Um, well, one of the things she says that she did is that she helped the government to bring us out of lockdown. Mm. I think she's into this uh, modelling, isn't she? Yes, yes. Um, That's right. So, yeah, um, I, I didn't know anything about her, to be honest, before the program. Um, but whether she had a role in locking the country down in the first place i i don't know i don't know <laughs> I, I don't th- i don't th- i'm not sure anybody wants to say if they had <laughs> maybe other than professor neil ferguson um wants to say that they had an actual role in 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 locking the country down but it you, you do wonder don't you if somebody's involved in maybe bringing us out well did they put us in it in the first place and again i it just shows the large number of people that the government consulted throughout this whole whole process um which is interesting anyway so let's so let, let's get on to the program itself it make it makes a bold claim doesn't it right at the start what what i mean it's quite it's quite something it says basically that eight percent of the uk population remain unvaccinated um so i, I think before we kind of look at look at that figure there's some kind of implications with this if if only eight percent of the uk population haven't had the um covid jab um and the program is actually reminding us that that covid rates are on the rise then presumably the rates of transmission and infection are occurring through those who have been vaccinated um, so if the 8% is to be believed, then we can't blame all the rates of infection in the vaccinated on the un- unvaccinated. So that, that seems a bit of a, a strange claim to make in a, in a way. And I'm always, when I think back to this, I'm always reminded of when they had the um, Omicron variants come over here. And I remember thinking at the time, thinking, well, how is this getting over here? Because it's coming over here through those who travel, and the only people who can travel are the vaccinated. So, vaccinated, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. What? What? So, what about this eight percent thing, Helen? What do you reckon? Um. Well, they—that's what they talk about early on in the program. But then it doesn't take long for them to mention their survey that they did of two and a half thousand people. And they discovered that 600 of those were unvaccinated. So if that sample was representative of the UK, then that's that would suggest that around 24% of people are actually unvaccinated. And I've seen actual um, other statistics um, which show that that could well be the case, that it, that it could be around a quarter of, a people, of the people who are not vaccinated. Yeah, it's it it it's quite it's quite a, a varying varying number there, isn't it? Um, but it's it's not surprising, I think, in fairness, that 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 we can't be totally sure about the numbers. Um, I mean, there's lots of things statistics-wise we can't be certain about. Uh, so it probably would have been better.
better, really, for, for, for the BBC to have said it could be as low as 8% and, let's say, as high as 24%, somewhere in between that figure. And if the BBC wants to stick by their um, impartiality and uh, unbiased uh, standards that they hold themselves to, then, then that probably would have served them well to, to, to have said that in the programme, because then then at least that would have been, if nothing else, more accurate, wouldn't it, to say that? Um, yeah. And I think one of the, the early impressions, and, and Helen and I would encourage you to, to, to watch this programme, not necessarily for entertainment purposes, but just as out of interest, really, because it is, it, is, it is interesting how things are portrayed. But certainly the early impression is that... Um, I don't know how to say this really. It, it feels like, let's put it that way, that it's the uneducated, the 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 misinformed, even the Chanel's, the Marks, the Ethans, the Lucas, the Nazarenes, the Vickies, the Naomi's of this world, versus the professionals. Um, and again, I think that's that's a bit sad because that's hardly the basis for uh, unbiased presentation, um, and even even promo pieces before the the program aired they kind of railed against the the unvaccinated referring to them as refuseniks um so yeah and and hannah fries is obviously elevated as the calm professional who highlights a big uh problem that she's uh wanting to tackle and of course they bring in the whole you know conspiracy theory things that people believe as to why they don't have the vaccine and so the tone is set very early on isn't it Helen for the for the rest of the program do you know what I mean yeah it is it is definitely um I I was actually disappointed with how little they showed the seven people talking that it really was really small snippets that they'd clearly edited Mm. um, to put in the program and there was a lot from Hannah Fry and uh the various experts that she brought in so yeah i think i think that was a shame and i think that that um yeah that's how it came across to me that that these were you know these these people were didn't know what they were talking about um were misinformed or slightly unhinged which yeah i'm not sure it's fair it, it no it was it was um it wasn't they weren't portrayed portrayed well it was a it was a, a stitch up um i mean for me you know i i've done a couple of really minor sort of tv things for for local news both both on the bbc actually and um, w- one of them was was longer than the other in terms of time that was aired but what but it definitely struck me when i watched it back that you just learn what everybody else says for your own um, which is that they edit it to suit the story and the angle they want to take. Yeah. So you can say all the right things. You can say, you can offload all the bits of information that you think are important. But at the end of the day, that will often end up on the um, the cutting room floor. And what you will be portrayed as saying will often be quite different to what you actually wanted to say. And that yeah. clearly has happened here. And and they they were there for the seven people were there for six days. So they had six days worth of filming. So they and, and it's really interesting point where you say Helen about it's a lot of it is about what Hannah Fry thinks. And I suspect that's because they, 
the majority of what they had had they had to put on the edit, the cutting room floor because it didn't suit the narrative the program wanted to follow, um, which is a, which is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is a shame. I'd have liked to have heard a lot, a lot more. I mean, one or two of them, I think you hear them say about one sentence. Yeah, that's right. You do. Yeah, it literally is. It literally is. There's one. In fact, there's. Um, yeah, it, yeah. I was just thinking about Naomi, how much she said, but yeah, she did say a bit. But yeah, it was. It, it literally was. It was. It was very, very, very short. And and I think the those who went on the program thought that they were going on to tell people why they hadn't been vaccinated and to share their story and their reasons when actually that wasn't the case at all. They were on there as a cannon fodder, really, for the BBC to try and make them look stupid. But as we'll find out, the BBC failed spectacularly in, in that one. One of the other things that I thought was really interesting early on was the that 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 they got in this idea that, that if you get your news... And if you're informed from anything other than mainstream media, that's a bad thing. And I thought, I thought, wow, you, you're seriously suggesting that? And they were. They, they were seriously saying, they talked about the distrust of, of mainstream media uh, as if you have to be slightly mad not to believe what the BBC or the Telegraph or the Guardian or the Mail or whatever it might be tell you. Um, I thought that was, that was quite telling, that was. It was. And the thing is, when you hear this kind of thing, I, I always think, I think what they're trying to, to suggest is that other than mainstream media, all there is is like memes on Facebook or something. And, mm. and mm. that's it. Whereas the truth is that out there now we have access to huge amount of information and you can actually now, we're able to go right to the source. Yes. So for example, if you hear... Um, a scientist or someone who's talking about who who's very knowledgeable on something you can go right to them you can listen to what they directly have to say not what a BBC interview has them say but you can go find their website you can find their scientific papers you can so you know that it's not it's not that straightforward and there's huge amounts of very high quality information out there for those of us who want to want to find out more yeah and that means that the BBC are no longer the kind of the arbiters of truth. They're no longer the gatekeeper. And uh, and let's be honest, they don't they don't like that. I don't think as as a as a as a as a whole. And and of course, Helen and I were talking about all this from um, a Christian biblical perspective. And uh, the wonderful thing about following Jesus is that that we have access to the one who is truth we have we have a relationship with the one who um is the answer to all things and uh, that's pretty amazing we we can actually because of jesus go to the source that is god and i think that is amazing and it's worth just reminding ourselves of that but yeah, back I think, I think sorry that's go on. Why, um, well that's that's part of the reason why I think truth is so important and seeking out the truth is so important. Certainly for me as a Christian, when Jesus says that he is the truth, uh, that's why I think it, it is so crucial. Yeah, it is. It is. It's vital. And and having that, having the um, truth seeker mentality is a good thing, isn't it, Helen? 
I think in all things in life, it's really, really important. We can't just say, oh, we just seek the truth when it comes to our faith. We have to be seeking the truth across the board. Um, Anyway, back to the program. So Hannah Fry, she tries to really build the, the program as a chance to understand doesn't she? She 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 makes great pains of saying I want to understand, but actually the way the way it's edited, it, it doesn't come across as that at all. It's it's all about really sadly making the the unvaccinated to try and make them look stupid or or a bit far out. Um, and yeah, and she yeah what you want to go on to the next bit? Helen was like she's because she goes it's kind of science here, isn't it? It's your your bit yeah, your one, bag. One bit she says. Um, Science is about asking questions, examining the evidence and being willing to change your mind, which I would agree with. Uh, Yet she doesn't go on to examine the evidence around vaccine safety and adverse reactions. She's clearly not willing to change her mind. Yeah, that's that is such that is that is very, very good very good point um and i I think again if the the program was aiming for balance you would think well okay everybody's on here everybody has the option to change their mind when they're presented with facts when they're presented with truth and that should include the 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 presenters because that that would have that would have actually done the bbc a world of good if they'd done that which of course we know they wouldn't do that but if they had done that in a in a utopian world that would be that would be good. In, in one part of the program, she asks Hannah Fry asks, "What did we get so wrong?" Um, I mean, the question, the way the question was phrased and asked itself was a bit like, um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was a bit vomit-inducing, really. <laughs> but but the, the answer to that question is, well, you know, what about what about all the mandating that's gone on? What about all the lying that's gone on? What about all the coercing? What about all the suppression of information? To name but a few things, perhaps, where we collectively have gone wrong as a nation in this. Um, and it's also it's interesting that, that Hannah Fry's view is, is very much presented as, as fact, the voice of reason, the calm, steady voice of reason, and the views of the <clears throat> seven unvaccinated people on the programme often framed in the phrase they believe and it's quite subtle but it's very noticeable and um it happens in this kind of thing happens in life all the time doesn't it? it's sort of almost gaslighting isn't it yeah yeah it is and it like you say it is subtle but it it was noticeable and i think one of the one, one of the early early kind of really poignant moments was um Hannah Fry is talking to one of the, um, I was going to say contestants. They're not contestants, are they? No, Maybe I'm they should have viewed that, themselves yeah. as contestants, like gladiators. Yeah, gladiator yeah. ready. You know, they should have had that, shouldn't they? That would have kind of made it a bit more interesting. Uh, she was speaking to one of the one of the people who came on the program, Nazarin. Uh, and you'll probably hear a lot about her if you, if you haven't done already. And Nazarin was telling Hannah Fry about her friend who had the COVID jab and days later end, ended up in, in hospital with, uh, I think it was multiple strokes wasn't it um and uh, you know awful bad bad situation and Nazarene's friend was perfectly healthy um normal normal kind of healthy young adult up until the point they had the 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 jab and she shows she Nazarene shows Hannah a, a video of her friend and um and then and then Hannah Fry 
obviously obviously it's edited we don't know what wasn't said but but the bits we do know was said was she, she says to Nazarene well how can you be sure that this is because of the vaccine and I thought that was really 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 revealing um this this idea how can you how can you be sure that this is due to the vaccine and I think a, a valid question in response to that is well how can you be sure that it's not the vaccine um, exactly. You know, if I get if I suddenly get ill, I perhaps I get um, a, a stomach bug and I'm sick. I will think I'll ask myself, where have I been? What have I eaten that's caused me to be ill? I don't think I'm yeah. the only person who does that. I think, oh yeah, I had this um, at this slightly dodgy um, bit of white bait the other day, and I think that was it. So I think. So then, what I do is, I think, right in future, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a bit more careful about when I eat white bait. I don't like white bait, by the way. But anyway, so, so, <laughs> so, but that's what we do, isn't it? We, we, yeah, that's we, a normal we, reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was very, very interesting. That was very, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and also, if if you think about it, for young adults, how often is it that you go and get an injection? It's actually quite an unusual thing, isn't mm, it? It Generally, is very unusual. Yeah. Unless you're going on holiday to an exotic place, it's not normal to to get jabs for anything in this country as young adults. So it is perfectly reasonable as a fit, healthy young adult if you have one of these injections and then very shortly after you become very ill it's completely natural to to think could it have been that injection that i had that caused me to be to be very ill and at no point does does she look at the fact that we have in this country a system of reporting for this kind of thing for mm. adverse reactions to medical procedures and drugs and that that's the mrha yellow card system and that, that system, I looked at this week's data, mm-hmm. um, and it's showing now two, over 2,200 deaths um, and half a million reports, including 1.5 million adverse reactions. Wow, that's a lot. So that is not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, and that was not mentioned. It wasn't, was it? And and that ties in with the whole jelly bean thing, doesn't it? I think. Do you remember that bit? That I think that was a favourite part of yours, wasn't it, Helen? Oh, that was that was great. Her little jelly bean, yeah, um, trick. So she did this um, illustration using jelly beans. I think the point she was trying to make was this is Hannah Fry, isn't it? Just to Hannah be clear. Fry. Yeah. Yes, yes. So she was trying to make the point about. Um, you know about numbers so she gave them she put on the table i think it was i don't know 25 jelly beans or something and said one of these jelly beans tastes really disgusting um and they all had to take a jelly bean and the chances are that one of them was fairly likely to pick the one that tasted disgusting and one of the seven did so um and then she and then she put like a huge number of jelly beans on there and got them to do the same. And of course, nobody picked the one that tastes horrible. And then she said she was using the point about one particular serious side effect, which is myocarditis. And then she said, this number of jelly beans is nowhere near. You would need all these. And she brought out some sacks that were meant to contain jelly beans. You'd need, I think, 
was it 33,000 jelly mm. beans? Yeah, it was a lot. It was, yeah. Before you'll get the one that tastes bad. So the one case of myocarditis out of the 33,000 jelly beans. Um, and I think it was Nazarene, wasn't it, who very quickly made the point, well, that may well be the case, but what about all the other serious side effects? And yes. why haven't you put those into the mix? Yes. Because that's how you get to the actual potential risk yeah yeah it it, it t totally is totally is and and it sounds very much as in you know myocarditis you know heart damage you, you once your heart is is damaged it doesn't doesn't recover from that it, it doesn't it's 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 it doesn't heal itself of that no. damage it's, it's permanent um, yeah and i've heard world-renowned experts saying myocarditis is a serious issue mm. it's not you don't just get heart damage and then in a few weeks you're okay again oh no your heart's not damaged anymore it's it's heart damage and particularly in the young is a really it's, serious issue it, it's it, yeah it, it really is it is serious it's, it's awful and it and it's it's life limiting if you get it get it when you when it, when you are young and before 2020 the latter part of 2021 well that must be no, not twenty twenty one. Sorry, this before the end of twenty twenty. We we didn't. This wasn't a thing, was it? We wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about myocarditis in young people and and all these all these things that we're seeing now. Um, no, no, it would have been very rare. Would have been very Most rare. Would have been yeah. It. And and if somebody was suffering from that, it would have been 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 pretty bad. Anyway, we'll, right. Well, let's keep moving. So the the one of the ironies. One of the other ironies for me is, is that the program is incredibly light on facts. There's no, it's it is it's uh, mind-boggling, really, for for a program that's supposed to be about why people, certain amounts of people, are, haven't had a COVID jab. It's very very light on actual facts, um, which is interesting. There is there is absolutely no balance whatsoever, and there's. No mention of the infection fatality rate, roughly less than one percent, um, um, which is um, quite something, isn't it? And I we know for a fact that that actually the participants on the program would have mentioned that multiple times um, to as part of the show, but that simply wasn't included in the in the in the edit. Yeah, there was no mention at all of the actual risks from COVID, which we now know very well. So there was no um, there was no mention of the average age of death from COVID being around eighty two, which is the average age of death in this country anyway. <laughs> it's um, like one of the most bizarre statistics of the whole thing, isn't it? Really? Yeah, there um, was no mention that the risk once you get out of the very very elderly and vulnerable the risk really plummets and mm, and yes, for yeah. for the young fit healthy which most of these seven are really quite young quite a few of them i think were 21 there's no mention that for them the risk from covid are absolutely tiny yeah 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 and and the, the these these things should have been should have been included 
in in the program because of the fact they're they're like like Helen you said earlier they are all this information is is readily available but of course the BBC is is the gatekeeper here and and doesn't want its viewers to to know that or to recognise that which is a shame and um, you know Hannah Fry herself admits that the the vaccine is a trial um, which at least that was something um, but yeah it's just a shame how it was she was presented as the kind of balanced sane one and 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 the seven people on the program were to various degrees portrayed as as, as slightly loopy which was a real pity a real pity um and of course it, it follows that narrative of presenting a respected medical opinion being pro covid uh, jab doesn't it and yet that's not the case is it helen no there's there's many well respected medics and scientists who have um, come out publicly to say how concerned they are about the vaccine um, and the the fact that it, it has been developed very quickly and the fact that they're concerned about the adverse reactions that are being seen. Um, but that was completely glossed over. In fact, in one point, they, um, you know, imply that there are such a small number of these medical professionals that are actually posting things that are not true and causing harm. Mm, yeah. yeah. Whereas, a, you know, a, a real, what I think would have made a much more balanced program would not only, like I said, you could have had seven vaccinated and seven unvaccinated people and you could have had a good discussion, but you could also have brought in experts, so-called experts or scientists or medics of differing opinions and had a sensible discussion there as well. Yes, yeah. And then then the programme would have served its, well, perceived remit much, much better because, because then um, everybody would have been able to explain their viewpoint and, importantly, the viewer could make up their own mind, which surely is, is a much better thing to do, isn't it? Um, there was no, no mention about how, va- how the vaccines use novel, novel gene-based technology, um, certainly for, like, the, the, the Pfizer ones certainly um, and that's even be a that's been admitted by um, the one of the the um, leaders in uh, Bayer who worked with um, one of the big um, vaccine companies that, that worked to develop this as well and they've admitted that it's, it's gene-based um, technology they're using um, but that's kind of brushed under under the, the carpet so they're not conventional vaccines uh, that we knew up until this point, um, and no, and they don't. If they don't prevent infec- infection or transmission, then many people argue they can't even legitimately be called vaccines because yes. they don't really meet the criteria for for the definition itself. Yeah, that's that's very true, um, and it's actually worth finding out, finding out where the um, uh, the 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 one of the employees um, of of Bayer is talking about this, and he he does say about how this is is gene based, um, and actually how they couldn't could not have envisaged a time where they get such a high proportion of people to take um, this this kind of technology so readily, and it's worth finding that where he says that, and you can see it on a, on the video because a lot of people try and spin that to say, oh, he's not saying it's it's it, they're not saying it's um, uh, a, a gene therapy it's gene based technology but um 
they're being very disingenuous in their interpretation of what he very clearly says. So it's coming from it's coming from the horse's mouth there. So don't take our word for it. Go, go and find it for yourselves. It's all it's all out there. It's all out there. Um, but the but I think one of the I did say the elephant. I was thinking the elephant in the room, but I'm thinking there were multiple elephants in the room. It was it was a bit squashed at times, wasn't it, in in the in the unvaccinated program? But one of the elephants in the room is this idea that um, you can't really link the vaccine with injury or death um, and yet you can link the vaccine with safety and protection from covid and and i find that a bizarre thing because the evidence is is certainly pointing uh, and mounting up in favor of the former rather than the latter there don't you think helen yeah yeah it it is and and i thought that was interesting uh, one point Hannah Fry focuses she seems to want to focus on the common side effects which include you know headaches or um those kinds of things mm. and, and so from having she, an injection yeah so <laughs> that's what she focuses on and then she uses um uh, the claim that you know this idea that if you expect to have something you you can then go on to experience it so you know if someone tells you if you drink this drink it will give you a headache, then it's quite likely when you drink that, that I suppose the stress induced by it may well cause you to feel that you have a headache. So mm. she was kind of implying that, oh, it's probably psychosomatic and, and people are imagining their re reactions, which, well, maybe if your I've arm is sore after a needle goes in, <laughs> into it, funny, perhaps. It? But, yeah. but no, many of these adverse reactions are absolutely you know life altering um the, they the, are the, they are the numbers and the breadth of these things when you look through them are absolutely mind boggling and and um heartbreaking so yeah i thought that was that was a bit of a cheap jibe really it's very it's very it's very insensitive it's very insensitive um yeah Sorry, I'm chuckling not because it's funny. It isn't funny. It's it's the it's very it's very sad and it's and it's really serious. But it's just the 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 irony, the point of mm. of of madness that we're at with this is is just you know, sometimes it just makes you. Uh, well, makes and you, to, to be fair laugh, to sadly. her, to be fair to Hannah Fry, if you look at the um, the leaflet that goes out, which I've had. Uh, repeatedly for to try and persuade me to get my children vaccinated um if you read it this is what is mentioned time and time again oh you may have a little sore arm or you might have a bit of a headache you might feel a little bit unwell mm. for a day or two mm. and that's pretty much it that's 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 what's mentioned that's the perceived risk yes yeah and 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 i think on top of that is this question what well, does the vaccine actually actually protect you um and it always makes me um always bemuses me slightly when it says oh protects you from death it's like well look newsflash here nothing can protect us from death um in fact um the the, the bible makes it very clear that that our days are ordained before one of them even comes to to pass so whilst um we have to uh, and and you know let, let's not spend time now trying to get our head around that because I think we will probably struggle but 
I think there is um, an important point here is that we should look after ourselves, we should take care, but at the end of the day, our lifespan is in God's hands and not in um, big pharma or big tech or big health hands. Um, and I think that that's an important thing here because this idea that you're, we're putting our faith in a vaccine to save us from death means that we're not putting our faith in God. We are putting our trust in something other than God. And yes, God can use um, the skills and abilities he gives to people to enable people to live better. That's totally true. However, to, to make to, we've got to be careful that we don't end up being in a situation where we find our faith being put in what this world does. And I think that's what's happened um, a lot these these last couple of years. Um, certainly that's been very, very clear to me in conversations I've had with people and what people have said about this whole thing. You think, okay, well, where exactly is your faith here? Um but yeah, so and it's worth reminding us then on the vaccines do they work? What what was said? Um, what was said back in 2020? So this is on on the BBC's website, and and in 2020 they said the first effective coronavirus vaccine can prevent more than 90% of people from getting COVID-19. And uh, the developers, uh, this particular one, Pfizer and BioNTech, describes this as a great day for science and humanity. Their vaccine has been tested on 43,500 people in six countries and no safety concerns have been raised. Say that again. No safety concerns have been raised. Uh, the companies, uh, that's the, the big pharma companies, plan to apply for emergency approval to use the vaccine by the end of the month. And no vaccine has gone from drawing board to being proven highly effective in such a short period of time. This is the news from the latter part of 2020. So that's what was being that was what was being said. Um and I think that, yeah, the ONS had something to say about that as well, didn't they, Helen, I think? Um, yes, in terms of their definition of a COVID death, which includes um, deaths where COVID is mentioned anywhere on the death certificate and not necessarily the the main cause of death. And also um, the ONS data seems to confirm that in the real world, regardless of how many doses of vaccine someone may have, it actually makes no difference to the likelihood they may die from COVID. Um, I, I was listening to uh, Dr. Claire Craig, who is a pathologist who's been quite vocal through these last two years. Um, and she's very good at um, explaining what has been going on. And she said that the, the graph that shows the COVID deaths across the world has stayed at the same level right really from the beginning of this pandemic mm. and and when you look at it you can't even see where the vaccine introduction started it makes no difference the the level of deaths from covid has just stayed at stayed the same which of course if you have a effective vaccine you would expect it to a massive tail off which has just not been seen yes you would and and it and um, my understanding um, is that you wouldn't vaccinate people during a pandemic anyway. 
no, various experts have said that that would be a big mistake because which it is drives, what we did. which is what we did. It drives, um, you know, the the variants, yes. new variants, yeah. and they will they will be driven to um, evolve to evade the vaccine. So, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Well, a, a disproportionately large amount of measures that have been taken over the last two years have flown in the face of standard uh, medical and societal um, process that we've had up until that point that's yeah. that's a certainty let's talk about the um let's talk about conflict of interest here because we like conflict of interest because that always lifts the lid on what really is going on i think and it's always worth paying attention to conflicts of interest so we have of course in this unvaccinated program the experts in inverted commas and um the two of them, um, um, there was Finn and Khalil, and these two experts were brought in and they were there to really try and help the candidates see the light. And so Professor Finn was from Bristol University and he was there to try and explain why the vaccines were safe. And uh, he even went on. He even went on to say that he acted as a buffer between Big Pharma and the public to try and say, well, I've been part of the process of ensuring that the vaccines are safe. What wasn't said was that he is the leader of the £4.6 million Pfizer Centre of Excellence for Epidemiology of Vaccine Present Preventable Diseases. So there's a significant conflict of interest there. And um, yeah, bit of an own goal by the BBC not disclosing that and I'm not sure if they thought that people wouldn't find out or, or what but anyway that that was astounding wasn't it yeah yeah definitely um no mention of that whatsoever in the program no and you know that that that's that's very significant um the other person Khalil as asma Khalil um was there to try and reassure that the covid jab was safe for pregnant women and yet uh, Khalil was well is the principal investigator of the Pfizer covid vaccination in pregnancy trial so of course she's going to say it's safe um it, this was not disclosed at all during the program and whilst you think oh I feel sorry for the 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 seven people on the program actually it's the public who are being massively misled who watched the program to say oh yes i can see now that that it's just reassuring me the vaccine's safe because these these experts have said so well these experts have vested interests in the companies that are making the vaccine and making a shed load of cash from the vaccine yeah, well, on that point, one Professor Finn, he he made the point that AstraZeneca had said when they'd worked with Oxford University that they wouldn't make a profit from yes. their vaccine mm-hmm. until the end of the pandemic. Well, that may may be the case, but he didn't mention Pfizer and all the other companies who have made an absolute fortune. So I think Pfizer's um, profits for last year thirty seven billion dollars on the back of the vaccine and the booster program. Yep, yep, and and AstraZeneca, uh, I think, have started to make a, a good good chunk of money from this as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is it is quite uh, it is quite revealing. And you, unfortunately, you do you do 
you do have to understand where a conflict of interest is because a conflict of interest will affect a person's judgment, will affect the views they hold and will ultimately um, discredit them if, if those views are seen to adversely um, impact the decisions that they make. So it's really important to, to always try and understand as best you're able where people are coming from um, because if we're going to trust what people are saying and if people are saying well we are unbiased we're open we're honest okay well is that really the case and unfortunately as we'll see in a moment continued through this program it isn't um, so we have also the the so-called fact-checking. I think I just have to call them so-called fact-checking now. I can't help it. But anyway, so we, so we had full fact this time. And we had the CEO, Will Moy. He was wheeled in to, um, to give a, a little lecture on so-called misinformation. And interestingly, this part of the program was was the only kind of edit that actually showed what must have been going on for much of the time over the six days where, where the producers and, and Hannah Fry got significant pushback and, and Nazarin was pushing back on the analogy Fry was trying to make about the conflict of Ukraine and, and misinformations and Nazarin was saying well, what's that got to do with the vaccine and it was a legitimate thing um, but anyway going back to, to Will Moy from Full Fact no mention was made by him or the program makers that since 2018 Full Fact have been significantly funded by both Google and Facebook and it's this is very important because Google and Facebook are two very significant and uh, large adherents to the mainstream narrative of all things COVID. So when you're fact checking something you are reliant on funding and uh, you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you are you Helen? I would doubt it no. No. And we've seen seen time and again with Google and Facebook um, and, you know, YouTube that they they have been anyone who is not following the mainstream narrative. They have been censoring. Yeah. Massive. massive. Doesn't, doesn't matter how well qualified they are to talk about their subject. They just get get shut down. Yeah. We, and, and on Twitter as well. I think we've, we've seen we've seen we've seen that a lot. So. So what are we protecting people from? Are we protecting people from so-called misinformation? Or are we protecting people from having access to all the information and being able to make an informed choice? Which, 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 which is that? I think misinformation is 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 just a it's just a misnomer, isn't it? It's it's a it's it's a word used to um, try and uh, belittle those who want to seek the truth and to try and reassure those who don't want to believe the truth. Yeah, uh, well, there's also an issue, isn't there, of um, of of information and what you withhold. So, for example, the uh, Pfizer documents that that they wanted to, uh, from, from the trials that they wanted to keep away from us for 75 years, wasn't 75 it? years, yeah. Yeah, long, yeah, long, so, long enough for most people to 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 be dead, so they don't they yeah, can't remember yeah. it. <laughs> but then, when when that was overturned after significant pushback and legal challenges and everything, and so then they started to release it in such vast quantities, was it hundreds of thousands of documents? But there are a, a team of 
medics and experts who have got together over 3,000 of them to go through all these documents to, to, to find the truth. And that's what's starting to emerge, which is looking very worrying. It is. It is. It is looking. It is looking. Um, it's not looking great, is it? But I mean, the, you know, going back to Will Moy and Full Fact, uh, j- just to help our listeners here, he's not the only one. Okay, so so you take take Reuters as another fact-checking organization, and and they, okay, they're they're a, they're a news outlet, but they do have a significant fact-checking element to their organization, the Thomas uh, Reuters Foundation and the the Reuters Corporate Foundation. Just so happens that the, the the chairman of the Reuters Corporate Foundation is also a Pfizer board member and is also a, a WEF board member as well. So when Reuters talk about the Pfizer vaccine, bear that one in mind. So and these are two just two examples, um, and there will be there will be more to look through. But the the thing is, the thing to remember with fact checking. Is simply this. It's interesting how that they never seem to fact check COVID misinformation that comes from governments and big pharma, isn't it, Helen? They only they only seem to um, fact check information that challenges the mainstream narrative, and that should tell you all you need to know. Right, let's move on. Um, what what about else um, that that Finn, Finn said something else to say? We just we should probably move on, but we just touch 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 on this one. He, he, his claim about people having stronger protection from being um, vaccinated than from having already been infected, um, and then there was a claim from that Khalil made about the COVID jab reducing the chance that that pregnant women. Um, would suffer a stillbirth and that 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 would be reduced by 15 percent anything to say about those helen well i i I, they didn't say where they got their their data or information from but that doesn't seem to tally with um anything else that that i've read on the subject yeah um and she khalil says at one point we know for sure the vaccine does not cause (coughs) miscarriage and does not increase the chance of stillbirth. Yeah. Well, she doesn't mention that on the MRHA yellow card system, there are uh, 1,200 pregnancy conditions and 58,000 reproductive and breast disorders, which would suggest that there could be an issue around, around this area. Yeah, but we we can't we can't blame that on the vaccine, though, can we? I don't think. I think <laughs> that's what we're told. That's what we're told in the program. You, you can't you can't blame you can't blame something negative on it. Um, I think, but I think both those claims are demonstrably false, and they shouldn't have been included in the program. And yet they, and yet they were, uh, and that's outrageous. Really, that is just outrageous, uh, and it's a shame. But but there we go. We we kind of. I expected that and uh, also there's also um you know the claims made about the the speed of the vaccine development um legitimate claims is nothing to worry about no steps um were missed out it was just that a lot of money and effort was thrown at it i couldn't believe it when i said that i thought you're not talking to four-year-olds yeah. <laughs> well this this was an example of i think two things here one is is you cannot speed up trials for safety 
that are dependent on time. So no amount of money or effort can speed up looking at the effects of something two or three or four years down the road. Yeah. So so that is just, that's a fact. The other thing is that Hannah Fry used one of these examples where you use something that has has some truth in it. So she says that the phase four trials, which is what we're now in, which is where you have ongoing surveillance as the drug is administered in the population. So that's where we are now. That the phase four trial, that's normal procedure. Well, that is true. But it's not normal to be in a phase four trial when you have sped up um, the previous phases Mm, of the trials. And you rushed through with emergency use those previous stages yeah and and you you you've you've run you've run them in parallel in some cases as well to to speed it up yeah and 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 that and and again we know we 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 know that um during their their six days together this this issue of there being no long-term data available being a big driver as to why the people who were on the program who weren't vaccinated as that's to being that's a reason why they are not vaccinated and and there's no escaping that that should have been mentioned on the program we, we simply have no long-term data we have not a scooby-doo what 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 this is going to do and it i think it's um i think it's abhorrent that the 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 they're jabbing children with this uh, uh one, one if, of, if you're a parent think about doing that please don't yeah i would say absolutely the risk to children from COVID, wait wait and see many, wait and see many, exactly wait and see many people have have experienced their child having covid and having or hardly even noticing that they've got mm. it or yeah. not being ill at all so if they've had it so why why do they need it they don't they don't need a vaccine for an illness that just does not affect them yeah yeah in, just... in any significant way yeah, absolutely. Uh, it should be just going on the, the the side of caution with this. I think that we we owe it to our we owe it to our children. Um, we owe it to ourselves, but but we definitely owe it to our children to to do that. Um, but yeah, and 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 I think Nazarene Nazarene made the point that there was multiple occasions during those six days where she and others um, made uh, points or or gave reasons why they don't haven't had the vaccine or asked questions and Hannah Fry and the other people, the other professionals so-called on the program to try and persuade them had no answer at all to what they were saying. But of course that was not included in, in the edit. I think, I think that, I think the main thing we need, need to take from this perhaps, well, not the main thing, but one of the things is that the BBC bless them. They probably need fact checking themselves, don't they? Um, but yeah, there's there's no there was no mention of, of the of the failure of the, the vaccines to prevent infection, hospitalisation, transmission, or death. And it was interesting. Uh, the prime minister at the time, Boris Johnson, uh, I think it was it was um, earlier this year, I believe, where where he was saying, "Well, we know that the vaccines don't don't present don't prevent you from getting it. They don't prevent it uh, you from transmitting it." Uh, but but. But um, they may not prevent you getting in hospital, but they may prevent you from getting a really bad, you know, reaction to it. I think even that's debatable. And and he was he was kind of whittling down the reasons for for having the COVID vaccine, which is really interesting because when it first came out, it was billed as this is the this is the great thing, which is going to be the answer to everything, and and uh, and it 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 wasn't. Um, 
So yeah, the, the, there was no mention of the yellow card scheme. There was no mention of the lack of long-term safety data. There was um, no mention of the fact that this set of vaccines have seen more adverse reactions than all previous vaccines put together. That's a statistic and a half. Um, there's no mention of the Pfizer protocol violations. There was no mention of the steadily rising data internationally, which shows the vaccine is neither safe nor effective. There's no mention of red flags uh, relating to excess deaths since vaccination program began. Um, what else? What's the other one? Oh, yeah. Did you talk about this one, Helen, the, 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 the risk, the, the PCR thing? Oh, yeah. So um, no mention also of how COVID data was presented to maximise the perceived risk from the disease. So when we were saying at the beginning about there was no talk about what is the actual risk from COVID. So we know now that um, all these things around the testing. So anyone admitted to hospital who had a PCR positive within 14 days or tested positive after hospitalization is classed as a COVID hospitalization, even if they went in for a broken toe. Um, Similarly, anyone who died within within 28 days of a PCR positive was classed as a COVID death, irrespective of the true cause of death. So, for example, I knew someone of someone who um, who died and was put down as a COVID death when they were riddled with cancer and had been given seven days oh, to live no, from the cancer. Well, right. that's not a COVID death, is no, it? No, no, so, um, and, no. That's all for family. Yeah, and even within the the vaccination itself, they there were they were classing people as unvaccinated who had within the first fourteen days of vaccination, if something happened to the person on day ten, they were still classed as unvaccinated. And also, people who are not up to date with their latest booster were being classed as unvaccinated. Yes, that 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 that's a that's a that's a very telling one, isn't it? Yeah. If you haven't had your booster, so, where, where do you draw the line on what constitutes being vaccinated and what doesn't? Yeah. So when uh, there was one point in the programme where they were using um, numbers around the number of people who were in ICU who they said were unvaccinated, well, you have to question, well, what does that mean, unvaccinated? Because with this definition, it's not clear at all. It, they could well have been people who had had one or two doses but hadn't been boosted or they may have had it seven days ago, but are still classed as unvaccinated. We just don't know. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And and I think that that should have been that should have been made really really clear. And we've got to weigh up the relative risks of it all, haven't we? At the end of the day. Yes, we do. And and I think maybe people are starting to do that. If you certainly for me, if I look around, all the people that I know, all my friends, my family, and contacts, and I think about um covid and and i just gave you the one example of the one death that i know about i know of one person who was hospitalized and recovered well i know a few people who were quite poorly um but i wouldn't say more than you know a bad case of flu i know many more who were poorly after having mm. um the covid vaccine um and and yet i seem to have encountered many more people than I'm used to encountering with things like, um, well, sudden death, for example, which is, is concerning, especially when it's in the relatively fit and healthy. 
um, with hospitalizations, including young people, um, things like strokes and heart attacks and blood clots. Um, I know of two young people, young children who have one has heart damage and one has liver damage and and was told that that was directly because of the vaccine and whatever you do do not have another one wow so that's astounding yeah really concerning but you know i just think we need to step back a bit and and these the the relative risks are really important and that was what was not covered in the program at all no no, and and it, 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 these things should have at least been mentioned because, like we said earlier, the pro, the program is incredibly light on actual facts and and of of, of meat, if you like. Um, it's just got a thin covering of 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 stuff over the bone. It could have done much much better than that. I think um, one of the the best part, if you like, of the program is that none of the participants were convinced to change their mind and get vaccinated which probably says says it all and um i think there was a standout a guy on there uh, mark i believe his name was a mild fairly mild manner chap uh, care worker and and he 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 was sounding really principled didn't he helen because he he didn't want to take the vaccine and yet he was really worried about losing his job and he made the very good point early on in the program. He said, well, why were care workers singled out for this to lose their jobs? There's plenty of other people in, in public um, public employment uh, in terms of either employed by the government or, or public-facing jobs where they could be uh, deemed as, as, as a, a risk in inverted commas to others if they didn't have the the vaccine and yet they weren't mandated and uh, I thought he he was uh, he was really really interesting in this and uh, worth worth watching um but yeah it's it's anything else to add on that one and before we kind of bring it into land well no just if we're talking about the just general thoughts around it and I think um I was listening to Neil Oliver talking okay, yeah. about about this program and he he said, well, he felt it was clearly designed to humiliate and make the people involved look stupid. But he made a good point that all the evidence is is starting to show now that actually these people have been wholly vindicated in their decision and perhaps made quite a wise choice. Yes. Yeah. And and there is it. There is, you know, we all have to weigh up. The risk, don't we? We have to weigh up the risk versus the benefit. Um, but um, when we're told that something is so fantastical, as was the case with the COVID nineteen vaccines, I think it's wise to 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 stop and at least think that through a little bit before jumping in. And um, I think more and more people are now. And of course, you know, we can, we ha we we need to wait. I think and see what the long term data is. But uh, yeah, the world is quite fast moving at the moment, so it's difficult to know quite w which way that would go. Um, uh, one particular commentator summed up the program a bit like this, and I thought this was good. He's, he's, he said. Um, Un unvaccinated was an exercise in propaganda. It was patronising and inaccurate. They used out-of-date data. There was no professional opposing views. It was scaremongering at its finest and basically a complete one-sided piece of propaganda. And uh, having watched it, 
thought it through. I would have to agree with that. But yeah, watch it yourself and see what you think. But just to kind of bring it into land now a bit, just want to link it to somebody else um, who's who um, who I think has some interesting points on this. And this is somebody called Vicky Spit, who um, is, is a musician and her partner of 21 years uh, was also a musician. They were in a band together. And her partner, Z, he died after having the AstraZeneca um, jab. And he was actually com- confirmed as that from that it was directly from the jab that, that caused his death. And uh, Vicky is the first person in the UK to receive compensation over a COVID vaccine death. And uh, it's really interesting listening to what she has to say because she's been trying to get the word out there and to try and raise awareness of what's happened to tell her story. And one of the things that that she mentioned was that early on, just after her partner's death, that she, she would... In order to get her story into the mainstream press, she had to start by saying, I'm pro-vax, in order for them to actually, actually tell her story, which which was, that, that should tell us something, I think, Helen, shouldn't it? That should tell us something about the state of play here. Yeah, well, that's dreadful, isn't it? To, to basically force someone to say something in order for their story to be heard. It is. It is really sad. It is really sad because I think in in her own words, she she would say if she was anti-vax, her fiancé would not be dead. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, yeah, to be able to have to say that. But anyway, so, you know, going going back to, again, what the BBC reported, not only the BBC, many many other mainstream news outlets reported back in 2020, they said the vaccine appears safe from the large trials so far. But then they say, but nothing including paracetamol is 100% safe. Okay, so you're equating taking a vaccine with taking a tablet for a headache. That's interesting. And this is this is what the BBC themselves have said. Um, and they also said it uses a completely experimental approach that involves injecting part of the virus's genetic code in order to train the immune system. Um, but yeah, it's... It, it is it is it is really sad about what happened with Vicky, but the point I wanted to get to with her is that she has ended up pushing for um, some information from the government through a freedom of information request, um, especially regard to the compensation they get, which is limited and capped at £120,000, and I think has been since 2010, so it doesn't really account for inflation or anything like that. And of course, that doesn't cover um, a family member's death either but the um it's interesting because the the uk government responded to her freedom of information request and they admit that the vaccine manufacturers have indemnities and they the government the uk government also admits that it cannot disclose the details about their um dealings with vaccine companies that may prejudice the 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 commercial interests of the vaccine companies and even though the uk government admits there is public interest in openness and transparency the commercial interests of the government and vaccine manufacturers comes before that and the government essentially doesn't want to release any information that may affect 
public confidence in the vaccine. And I thought that was that was very telling that essentially our government seek to serve big pharma over the people. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And that's um yeah, that came that came out of um what what Vicky Vicky Spitz been trying to to do to raise to, to get some actual answers to this, but it turns out that yeah, vaccine companies are indemnified against prosecution, um, and uh, that's not that's not a good situation to be in. So when you add that up yeah. to the claims made in the unvaccinated program, it it you don't end up with a particularly good view. No, that's really awful, isn't it? When we think that these people in government are serving they're meant to be in positions of service to the people of their country and actually what you've just described shows them effectively being in service to to large corporations yes. or putting them before the people yeah yeah and and when and and i think it's important for you know the i guess that the, in many ways people you who are listening to this podcast the fact that you're listening to our podcast is probably because you're already interested in this and you 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 you're awake and open to 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 what is happening in the world and we just really want to try and encourage you in that um and we want to try and you know maintain as much uh even handedness in this as possible but it is important to to keep an eye on not only government obviously but but big tech big pharma big anything Tends to <laughs> tends to not be generally good. It has the appearance of good, but underneath, it's not. There's often rot in there, sadly. But let's let's bring this back to the Bible to finish with, because that's really important, isn't it, Helen? Yeah, definitely. And as we've said earlier, truth is important, and we need to be seeking truth and looking to the truth. And that's where we're going to find the truth is is in God's word. So. In 1 John 1, verse 5 to 6, it says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great reminder, isn't it? A great reminder. And isn't it amazing that we have this wonderful god the god who is um is that is that truth and we know that we can totally rely on him we can put our trust in him we can believe in him with full confidence that he is truth um we don't need to fact check god we don't need to fact check the lord jesus christ and that is an amazing comfort i think and and as christians that gives us the the means by which we can keep going through this um this this really challenging time and it, and if you don't if you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus as lord and savior then yeah have a have really bring this to mind that there is one who you can be certain who is truth and who has uh, made it possible for you to be in relationship with god because of his death on the cross and uh, yeah he rose again and he reigns which is amazing and I think also like Matthew 24 well-known verse where Jesus is talking about um, what to watch for before his return and and he tells he tells his disciples he tells his followers to, to watch out that they're not deceived and I think whilst 
the unvaccinated program is uh, not not probably really you know linked to Jesus's return or anything like that it's an example of how the importance of us watching out and making sure that we're not deceived and I think that's that's key isn't it Helen it's an important thing to remind ourselves and to encourage one another in yeah yeah definitely and I was I was thinking earlier I don't know how relevant this is really but I do believe you know we're told in the bible that we're created by God and we're loved by God he you know he made us he made our physical bodies he made us the people that we are and he's given us these these bodies on this earth for this life um and I think we have a duty to to look after our bodies to to you know not to abuse our bodies to look after our health um you know and and that's what God wants for us and obviously some of us um have better health than than others but as best we can we i think we are we are called to look after these bodies that god has given us and to um to be able to do his work in in this world the work that he has called us to do so i think you know questioning what we put in our bodies is very legitimate and is the right thing to do and we shouldn't take decisions lightly about what we put into our bodies yes that is that is really that is really um important for us to not only know but to remind ourselves of and and the fact that our our faith ultimately has to be in Jesus it's not in our circumstances it's not in our job our home our family all those are you know good things it's certainly not in a a vaccine or a claimed vaccine it's in it's in God and we need to be pointing uh, one another to that. Um, so yeah, that's a good place to end, isn't it? Look, do do share this podcast with those who you think it would encourage and uh, help. Um, we're always keen to to continue widening our audience. Uh, you can find us on Telegram. Yeah, yep. find us on Telegram. Yeah. There's um, links in the podcast to our writing as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Helen has a great Substack where she, she does some absolutely brilliant writing. You'll really like that. If you haven't seen that already, just go and do go and check that out uh, as well. So, yeah, you can find out all the information on the on the links on which we'll put in the podcast. So, great. Well, we'll, we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, bye for now.